Happy Wednesday. Happy signing day. First day of signing day. It's the early signing period. It feels weird because I still don't really know if you're supposed to say happy signing day or happy signing days or happy early signing period. None of that stuff matters because Andrew, uh, Ohio State welcomed in at this point 19 members of their 2024 recruiting class. Still waiting on one, uh, the official letter of intent from Jeremiah Smith. We'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, today was wild, man. Like watching the back and forth that went on uh, inside of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center between Ryan Day and Mark Pantone while they waited for the Jeremiah Smith decision, while they waited for the Edric Smith decision, the phone call that Ryan Day got um, in the middle of the press conference where he had to run out and basically like confirm with Edric Houston that things were were good. And from what I understand, I heard that basically flipped from Alabama back to Ohio State like 10 minutes before the announcement was supposed to happen, um, which was a complete 180 from where Ohio State felt things were on Tuesday night at like 1130 at night. So like uh, it's been a a really, really wild signing day. And if it's a, a sign of what's to come in this new era where last minute NIL and and I, I hate even saying NIL deals because it sounds it's so euphemistic to say that it's like based on anything other than just flat out trying to buy kids off. Um, but that's where the game is heading and uh the the back and forth bargaining, it it was like it was like basically like an eBay bidding account for, you know, like an item on on eBay to be like, Oh, okay, well, let's wait till one second before we hit bid and then see if, it, if it's enough. And, uh, it's been, it's been totally crazy, man. Like, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to feel about it. And we've talked about it over the last year and a half and in jest sometimes about how much we hate how, what it's done to the game. But like, it does take some of the, the joy out of it. Like I feel personally like exhausted and I wasn't even real. I'm not, actually involved in any of the stuff that had to go on and i feel personally like wiped out yeah it's it's just so much different than it used to be like you said and you know i'm just trying to keep up with it while i'm at work checking my phone texting you relentlessly throughout the day and i don't know how professionals covering this type of stuff such as yourself yourself deal with it um you know i saw the clips of ryan day's presser um when i got home from work and had a chance to watch it uh i don't think i've seen something like that before um, I'm glad it was good news and not bad news because I don't know how that would have been had he gotten some unfortunate news in front of all the uh, Ohio State media. Um, but overall, I think things kind of went like we thought, but the path to getting there was a little bit strange, like you said. Yeah, and, and it's still strange because here we sit. It's 8.20 on Wednesday night, and the letter of intent from Jeremiah Smith is not yet arrived. And you know, I, I'm reading the the questions here on face uh, on YouTube, and someone asked, you know, why make a decision if if things aren't done? Why make an announcement if everything's not uh, done? And I think that's actually kind of a fair question. But it's like you're a high school student and you're put into this gymnasium with all of your teammates, and the fact is, Jeremiah Smith has always known he wants to go to Ohio State, and, and like nothing has really changed, despite the fact that there's been a, a significant lobbying back and forth between Miami and, and Ohio State in the last 18 hours on the NIL front. Like over the last couple of days and over the last couple of weeks, there's been all this talk about Florida State and how they were the team that, but like I've tried to tell people, like Miami's the one to worry about because Miami actually has the money and Florida State doesn't. Uh, and so that's become 
apparent over the last couple of days that Florida State does not have nearly the NIL juice that they um, have discussed having previously or what people assumed they had when they started getting commitments from uh, players like Charles Lester and, and um, KJ Bolden who flipped to Georgia today. And, uh, and Miami's been the one to watch because they are desperate and will go to any length they have to to make sure that a player like Jeremiah Smith doesn't leave the state and doesn't leave the Miami area. But he's wanted to leave. He, he's always wanted to be a Buckeye. And it's been that way since his freshman year in high school. It's been that way six months before he committed to Ohio State. It's been that way since he committed to Ohio State. And you can, I, I think, understand why a kid and his family like is willing to have all of the extra conversations that they probably have had since the announcement today at about 1215. Um, but from my understanding of it, that debate, most of that conversation is not actually related to Miami. It's related to Ohio State and making sure that when we're talking in this new era, this new NIL space, like it's not just sign your name on a letter of intent. And that's the only legally binding form you have to worry about from now on. Like there are big, big conversations happening and, and um, you know, lawyers that need to be involved in things to, to review like conversations and make sure that people aren't putting themselves in, in weird spots. Um, we watched, you know, Chase Basantis, the Texas A&M offensive lineman that entered the transfer portal a, a week ago is now back, uh, has withdrawn his name from that transfer portal because he's tech basically just not allowed to leave A&M because the NIL deal that he signed with the Aggies essentially locks him in and whatever money he would make NIL wise goes to their collective. So like if he left or, or so there's this weird stuff going on uh, and that you, people are trying to protect themselves on both sides and make sure that everything is, is set up. Now that may not make people feel better, but I, I think it's important to understand that from what I understand from talking to people on the Ohio state side throughout the day, since I left the Woody Hayes athletic center at three 30 this afternoon, um, it there hasn't been any concern from Ohio State that it's like all of a sudden Miami is surging again or anything like that. It's just doing due diligence for both sides to make sure that everyone's protected. Yeah, and I think that's the immediate thought from the fan base is just, you know, oh no, Miami's making a late push or, or doing whatever. But like you said, there's just so much more that goes into it these days just because of the whole, because of the whole NIL thing. Um, you know, I remember almost a year ago, in December, I'm driving home from work and my best friend in the world sends me a text and asked me if I want to hop on a podcast that night randomly. And I'm like, sure, why not? Let's, let's talk. And then I get into this podcast and it was just a ploy to where my best friend told me that Jeremiah Smith was committing to Ohio state. And I was like, oh, and it just, it seems like that was so damn long ago as we sit here today. Um, you know, there were rumors, Georgia was the Georgia was pushing Ohio state, Florida, and then Florida state. And now it's like Miami last minute. Did you ever get the sense earlier today leading up to one o'clock or whenever it was that Ohio State had some doubts or like some real fears as far as what was going to happen? No, I think one of the things that like I personally was worried about and I told you that when, when the Jeremiah McClellan flip happened, we'll talk more about that later. But I and then there was the buzz about Edric Houston and potentially flipping to Alabama. I, I, I think Ohio State would have loved it because they knew that Jeremiah McClellan was out at about 8 a.m. this morning. They knew he was going to sign with Oregon, but they didn't know when he was going to announce. And I think they would have loved it if he announced at like 3 p.m., right? So that you didn't have that hanging in the atmosphere over the Jeremiah Smith decision. Um, now, 
I don't think there was never really a significant worry for Ohio State. One of the old adages in recruiting, we talk about all the old adages all the time, but one that still stands relatively firm in its uh, veracity is that there always has to be a, a second team, right? That's the way it goes, uh, unless you're recruiting Miles Lockhart, which Ohio State did in this cycle. We'll talk about him later, too. Um, but Miami, I mean, we watched the back and forth in the relationship between Jeremiah Smith and Miami over the last six months and how, remember, like in June, he's like, I'm never going back there. I'm never stepping foot on the campus again, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it, it's it's important to realize that this is a kid that is not just a, a really damn good football player. Like he is part of a community that has grown up together, playing football together that the, all of the fathers, all of the brothers, all of the uncles, they all basically like it, it is their identity that that group stays home. And, and they, if you can play for the you, then you do. And I, I think it's actually, and maybe this is just me trying to put lipstick on a pig here because we're still waiting for this LO, letter of intent to get in. Um, I think it actually speaks a whole hell of a lot about Jeremiah Smith as a person that he has been able to withstand all of this over the last year and do what he wants to do. Uh, because I, while from everything I've heard from Columbus area folks, his parents have never like pushed him towards Miami or anywhere else, but, and they've supported his decision, but it's never been like they were in love with him going to Columbus for college. Right. So, um, I think that there's a number of people that would prefer if he just stayed close to home in Miami trying to sell this, you know, rebirth and obviously a lot of money and everything else. It could have been a very easy decision to make for Jeremiah Smith. And the fact that he stuck to his guns and, and, and was insistent on the relationship with Brian Hartline, meaning more than anything else and the development at Ohio state, meaning more than anything else. Like even if, even if worst case scenario happens and somehow this goes from him signing with Miami tonight, or tomorrow, which I, I do not think is going to happen. But if it did, like I think it says a whole heck of a lot about him, the way that he's handled himself. And I've seen people commenting like he's, um, you know, maybe a, a diva or something like. That. I don't. I just don't see it. Like he, I feel like this kid has been used by national media outlets and recruiting sites this entire year, and I feel terrible for for him because I, I think it's just garbage the way that he's been manipulated by people into being everyone's you know twitter graphic every single week and i mean here i have him on the cover of this episode of talking stuff but like i took that picture i'm not like post posting it all over the t internet saying jeremiah smith wants you you know it's i don't know i i feel like it's it's a it's a it's a really unique situation but i don't think ohio state ever was in jeopardy here i did feel a little personal angst when he showed up at his announcement today and had the black bag under a seat because no one else had one. And you're like, that's kind of interesting, but you know that that is that's recruiting in, in this 2023. Yeah, it is teammates, friends, family ties to Miami. Um, so I guess, you, you know, you do got to kind of tip your cap to him to, uh, to make that decision. And now everybody's just kind of waiting for that official tweet to come through from the Ohio state football account, letting you know that it's a done deal. So we'll yeah. see how long we have to wait. And we'll see. I mean, again, bottom line is talking to people around Ohio state, this has not been about Miami or anyone else. This is about Ohio State and, and the and the Jeremiah Smith family making sure that everything is set up the way that it needs to be set up for when he arrives on campus. That's that's what it comes down to. Now, is that going to make anyone feel better? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but I, it should because there isn't still any concern that like things are going to fall apart from the Ohio State side. So um, that's just where they're you know at. So. 
that's that. Um, but you know, things can always change, right? We're in a weird world. Anything could happen at any moment, Andrew. And that's why we love recruiting and have always loved it so much. Um, what about Edric Houston today? That was a wild ride, right? Yeah, that was a um, that was a weird one. Probably more important than Jeremiah Smith, just given the positional need. Um, that was that was a strange ride from last night to this morning, and then all the way up to the announcement. So I'm glad it ended the way it did, though. Obviously, yeah, it's interesting because again, th- there was the three guys heading into Wednesday that you that everyone was sort of worried about and had circled, and it was Edric Houston, Jeremiah Smith, and Jeremiah McClellan. Um, at about 1 a.m. last night, I got a message saying everything's fine. All three of these guys are in a good; they're all good to go. Uh, then this morning, Wednesday morning, I got a message saying, "Okay, Jeremiah McClellan is probably actually out. He he's likely going to Oregon." Um, there was conversations about who he had been reaching out to and getting some last minute advice from like Jamison Williams and Mookie Cooper and. Like, you know, he's a St. Louis guy. And so I, I appreciate him reaching out to fellow St. Louisans, St. Lunatics, St. Lunatics. That's what, yeah, that's the correct term. Um, but he called, could have also reached out to like Cameron Babb, who played at his high school and never really had the ability to play at Ohio State because of injuries and is still a king in Columbus. And, um, but you know, if you're looking for a way out, if you're looking for a reason to leave the class, then, then you reach out to the guys that may be left with a little bit of unhappiness. Um, and that's okay. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a situation where McClellan, um, we knew that was coming, but Edric Houston, like the, the conversation on the national side of things started to turn about like eight 30 in the morning. And people that I was talking to in Columbus were like, we haven't heard anything to indicate that this is going South. Then about an hour and a half later, it was like, okay, things are actually starting to feel a little tense. Uh, not really sure what's going on. And then everyone went radio silent for three hours while things got worked out. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, did you see um, Edric Houston talking after his announcement at Buford High School in Georgia, where he was, said he had a conversation with Ryan Day about nine in the morning that sort of answered his questions? And the thing that he talked about was not the rumors about Larry Johnson's re- retirement, but Ohio State's transfer portal issues and the number of guys are in the portal. So it gives a little insight into what Alabama had been using as a way to, to drive a wedge between Ohio State and Edric Houston, which is, was to say their culture is falling apart. They don't, everything's going bad there. Coaches are, are getting fired. Coaches are retiring and all their players are leaving. So it's like a, it's a pretty like simple approach, I think. But if you can just put a little bit of doubt into a high school kid's mind, like that can go a long way. Yeah, I think as soon as we found out he was visiting or had visited Clemson and then was visiting Alabama, we just assumed maybe NIL, but also just Larry Johnson retirement rumors. So when he came out and said that about the portal, that kind of caught me off guard a bit. I mean, I haven't seen how many Alabama entrants have entered the portal already. I know they're in the playoffs, so maybe that'll take some time. But I mean, this happens everywhere. It's not just an Ohio State thing. So that's kind of a weird tactic, but props to the kid for uh, seeing through it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and I think that Ryan Day takes a lot of heat from people about his approach sometimes or the perception that he's like not as um, aggressive as he needs to be. Or, But I just, I mean, that he's so good as a recruiter and has been since he started at Ohio State that I think sometimes it gets lost because he doesn't get mentioned by a lot of kids in that vein. But he's a closer and, and Ryan Day is really good at it. But when when Ohio State, 
circles the guy and says, this is someone we have to have. Um, and, and day is involved. He's still really, really good. And I, I think it did help that he was up front in the press conference on Wednesday about Larry Johnson's future, making sure. And I mean, the call from Edric Houston, which interrupted the, the press conference at Ohio state came about 15 minutes after he was talking about Larry Johnson's future. And uh, I don't, I mean, probably a coincidence, but I, it's, it's serendipitous nonetheless, because it does at least help answer that question, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. There was a moment earlier when I thought we were going to get on here and talk about this tonight. And I was going to suggest that the defensive line hall would get like an F minus. And I'm, I'm glad we don't have to quite go that low. So <laughs> Yeah, we're still going to grade every position uh, shortly, and and I still don't think that even with a five-star defensive end in Edric Houston signing, I mean, it, it's hard to give that group anything higher than like a D plus in my mind, maybe maybe a C minus because you do have a five-star, like you can't really feel that bad, but like you had to get four defensive linemen in this class and didn't yet, yet. I mean, and that's the thing. There, this is the early signing period. There is still an opportunity to add to it, so. Um, we'll go from there. Uh, Jeremiah McClellan, though, uh, I, and I really, I wasn't sure if we were going to like spend a lot of time talking about him specifically on the show because, um, again, it, it's bad news and no one likes that. But I really wanted to get this slide uh, on the screen because I thought it was really clever um, of me as I as I've made the graphics for the show, and I wanted people to see it. So uh, Jeremiah McClellan says, "Duck you, that's funny." And if you don't think it's funny, I don't care. Um, again, it's interesting. Like this is a kid who Oregon was able to recruit as their number one receiver, telling telling him that Ohio State only viewed him as the third guy in their class. And on its face, that's not altogether false, right? But it, it also doesn't mean that Ohio State didn't really want him or that he wasn't a priority for Brian Hartline because he was. But like you can still end up. Uh, both things can be true, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, he's a stud. He's a, he's a stud wide receiver. He would be the uh, wide receiver one in most, most signing day classes. So, I mean, that he's a hell of a player. Brian, Brian Hartline wanted for a while there. We said he wanted four guys. Then we kind of knocked that number down to three and now we're sitting here with two. Now, granted, those are both five-star studs, but uh, nice win for Oregon. Last night I was starting to read that they thought they were going to either flip Jeremiah McClellan or that uh, Ryan Pelham kid that was committed to USC, and it looks like they, they got both of them. So, yeah. uh, Oregon is going to make the Big Ten very interesting. I mean, that is a program that Ohio State's going to contend with, not just on the recruiting trail, but on the field and in the Big Ten championship games a lot in the next couple of years, I think. But uh, McClellan, again, like – He's a player that you you don't want to lose him because I, I think that Ohio State and, and knowing Brian Hartline the way that I do and, and getting to know him over the last six years that he's been at Ohio State, like he really enjoys teaching and developing these kids and, and turning them into NFL wide receivers. As far as Ohio State goes, you look at like next fall and, and, and Saturdays in the fall, the loss of Jeremiah McClellan isn't something that is going to immediately stick out and be like, damn, that sucks. I think it it stinks for Brian Hartline because he put a lot of time and effort into this recruitment. But I also think it maybe is a harbinger of things to come, Andrew, in that we've watched Brian Hartline over the last five years sign three or four top ten receivers every year. And in this new era of college football, which I hate, I hate continually saying that, but like maybe that's not going to be the case. And and maybe you have to 
view it a little differently. He still doesn't want to get into the transfer portal. Um, and even though Ohio State only signed, or at this point has only signed one um, uh, officially in the class of 2024, the Buckeyes feel pretty good that Emeka Abuka is going to return for his senior season. If you have, if you, if that occurs and you have Emeka Abuka and Jaden Ballard, and then you have Kojo Antwi and Keon Grays, and then you have Carnell Tate and Brandon Innes and Noah Rogers and Bryson Rogers and, and Jeremiah Smith and um, Mylon Graham, like that's still a pretty damn good group. Like you don't need to panic about it. So it stinks, but it, it's a loss that like, I think everyone that follows Ohio State recruiting and has a vested interest in the Buckeyes would have gone into today saying, there's three guys that you you could lose. Who's the one that you'd be most okay with losing? And that it sucks to put it in those terms because like, you don't want to lose anyone, but I think everyone would have picked Jeremiah McClellan, right? Yeah, no, you're, I mean, you're hundred percent right about that. And I mean, and if anybody's freaking out about the wide receiver room right now, obviously we still got to get Jeremiah Smith's uh, letter of intent in, but there's absolutely no reason to worry about that, whether Emeka Buka comes back or not, in my opinion. So no concerns on my end. Yeah. I mean, it, it changed a little bit when you lose a player like Julian Fleming that you weren't expecting to lose. And so that changed the, the calculus and touch but really not that much. And again, if you get a Mecca Buka back and Jaden Ballard returns, and I think a lot of people had just sort of written off Kojo Antwi and Keon Grays and said, oh, these guys aren't going to play, but they're not walking away. They're not quitting, and they're going to continue to try. And I, I'm all for that. If you remember like Paris Campbell and Johnny Dixon and Terry McLaurin, those guys didn't do their thing until their fourth and fifth years at Ohio State. So like, it's nice that there's actually guys that are willing to put in that time, and I think they should be celebrated for that um really as far as today's intrigue those are the three parts the jeremiah smith edrick houston and jeremiah mcclellan who said duck you come on that's funny like i'm not a, i i know that i'm i'm old enough to make a lot of dad jokes and i'm, tr- I'm big into puns but i was really proud of that duck you thing you know it was it was but, okay not not your best effort but i gave it like a c c plus Speaking of C pluses, let's grade this class. Um, it is. Uh, I talked about this on Snap Judgments uh, on Wednesday with Bill and Austin. Like it's currently the number three class in the country, and I think it's it seems silly to say that the number three class in the country is anything other than an A as a group. But like for what seems like the. 45th straight year it's buoyed by a quarterback some wide receivers and and defensive backs and you're missing some key parts in the middle of this team and i think people who look at the buckeyes um, on the field in the last couple years see that as a problem i I don't disagree i think that there's reasons to be like concerned about where things are going in the trenches i love this offensive line class probably more than most people i'd love to i would like to have one more guy in it and maybe like a uh, a big name, but we'll talk about that as we go through. Let's just let's just go position by position. And folks, those of you watching on YouTube, um, let's put your grades. As Andrew and I go position by position, I'd like your grades for this class. We'll also break down which players are enrolling early um, from each position group. Okay? Is that fair? Sounds fair. Uh, fair. Quarterback, Aaron Oland, uh, uh, Langston Hughes High School, Fairburn, Georgia, five-star player. Hard to be anything other than an A. Are we giving A pluses? Because I don't know if I believe in pluses. 
Um, we can on some situations, but I agree. Solid A on this one. I I am more than happy with him than I would have been with Dylan Rayola. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I'm a big Aaron Nolan guy, so that's an A for me. Yeah, it's one of those situations where if you look back a year ago, it, it, you would be like, oh my gosh, Dylan Rayola decommitted from Ohio State. How are they ever going to recover? And then that's where just trusting in what Ryan Day does at, with the quarterback position, and even though I think some people maybe have less trust now than they did a year ago because of the way this season went with Kyle McCord and maybe not developing the way people wanted him to, but like the ability to identify and evaluate quarterback traits Ryan Day is elite at. And so uh, Aaron Noland did not have as good a senior season as he did a junior season, but he lost a lot of talent on his team at Langston Hughes. Um, and, and that's a big knock in high school. You don't have the ability to just reload every single year like you do in college at Ohio State. Um, the left-handed thing, I don't, lo- I don't love, and we talked about that you know, eight months ago, but I-, I think when Jeremiah Smith sends his letter of intent, the, the addition of Aaron Noland is one of the big pieces that doesn't get really talked about with Jeremiah Smith. Those two are, are, are very close, and Ayers' future and Ayers' upside and Ayers' talent is one of the things that really drew Jeremiah Smith to Ohio State and kept him in it. So um, I think that's an A for sure. Um, let's see. Running back is interesting. Again, Ohio State lost a commitment from Jordan Lyle on Monday night as he flipped to Miami. It is not a surprise. We knew that was coming. We've talked about it before uh, and, and expected that to occur. Unfortunately for Ohio State, because it occurred so late, you didn't really get a chance to find a replacement for him. If Travion Henderson returns to Ohio State and you have Travion Henderson and Dallin Hayden, and then you have James Peoples and Sam Williams Dixon, and then walk-ons, um, you know, that are pretty good. Ohio State always finds good walk-on running backs. Maybe it's not that big a deal. They would like five running backs in the room. They're going to go into next year with four unless they find one in the portal. Like a guy like Trevor Etienne is probably unlikely if Travion Henderson comes back. So then you'd have to find some good enough running back from around the country who wants to come to Ohio State and be the third back. You know what I mean? Like, so I just don't think that seems realistic. So you got to, who are you going to find, Andrew? That's like, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to be your third string running back next year. Like, that's seems unlikely. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And that's why uh, only getting one pure running back in the class. And I know Sam Williams Dixon can be, could be a running back, could be a receiver, could be a safety, who the hell knows. But I, that's why I'm kind of struggling here. I, I do like James Peoples a lot, but. For me, it's probably like a C plus for the position group. Part of that grade, though, is because I think Tony Alford just needs to like learn his lesson when it comes to those South Florida guys, um, and don't let that happen again. Two years in a row, they've come back to bite you and flipped to Miami last minute. So let's just let's just stop playing that game. Yeah, three of the last four when when you add in Jalen Knighton yes. and stuff in the twenty twenty class. So uh, it's definitely a, a lesson that is being learned and and. I th- I think I agree. I would gonna go B minus because I really do think James Peoples has J.K. Dobbins type upside um, when he gets to Columbus and gets into the Ohio State weight program. I like a lot of what Sam Williams Dixon does. I think he's a, a guy who's more versatile and can catch the ball to the backfield and provide you another weapon. Um, but I, we were both on board thinking that J- Jordan Lyle was the best pure running back, like like right now in that group, and so it sinks to lose him at that point. Um, Again, because you could have probably seen that coming and gone ahead and found a backup plan two months ago. 
um, when when all of the buzz about Miami started with Jordan Lyle in October. So that's the problem. Uh, James, you know, again, uh, James Peoples is a bad dude. Though. Like I don't think people should uh, write him off. I think there is a part of the fan base that is going to fairly probably stack him up against Jordan Marshall at Michigan for their whole career. And so maybe the grade here changes in a couple years, but not right now. Um, uh, and again, Marshall is a guy that Ohio State just was late on, period. I mean, they, they tried. They were aggressive once they went, once they decided to get involved last November, but they were five months late. Um, so we'll see. Um, wide receiver is a, a plus as long as the Jeremiah Smith thing comes in tonight. So, um, yeah, that's pretty easy. That's, that's obvious. Uh, you get two five stars and, and you get the best wide receiver prospect of the last 20 years, 15 years, at least if you go back to Julio Jones and AJ green. Um, and then you add a player like Mylon Graham, who is, like the Chris Olave comparisons are apt, but it's like it's Chris Olave as a junior in college, not Chris Olave as a high school senior, because right. Chris needed those years to develop, and Mylon does is ahead of that curve. He's a, he's one of the better route running high school wide receivers I've ever seen, and there's a reason why he blew Brian Hartline away when he camped in June of 2022. Uh, da, 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 tight end. I, I, I've been back and forth because I, the more I watch Demarion Witten, the more I think he is going to be a superstar at Ohio State. And I, I don't think anyone really would have thought that back in June, but the kid is just a freak. And that's something that I've heard from four different staff members in the last week as we talk about this class. Um, and each of them have used the word freak for, for Demarion Witten. And, and, He's a player that actually, with the loss of Jeremiah McClellan, could be that third receiver at Ohio State. He's that good as a pass-catching athlete. He may not grow to get big enough to be a true tight end, so you could use him in that you know six foot three, two hundred twenty pound, almost like a Noah Brown type. Um, and Noah Brown was pretty good at Ohio State and is now you know in like his eighth year in the NFL. So like. If that's where he ends up being, like people should be thrilled by that. And, and Max LeBlanc is—I don't want to say a poor man's Jeremy Ruckert, but he, he's probably—he's maybe not quite that polished as a as a pass catcher, but he's probably a little more physical than Ruckert was coming out of high school. Uh, and Jeremy Ruckert was the number one ranked tight end in the country and a five star player at that position. So it's a pretty good group. I'm going to give it a, a B plus um, because. I just I'm not sure that either one of them can get on the field like next year, and that that to me would put it into an A. Yeah, we're in agreement on that. I was going to say B plus too. I like the way they kind of complement one another, and I'm fascinated to see where uh, Demarion Witten's body and growth takes him at the next level. So yeah, B plus is fair for the for that one. Who's the tight end at uh, Texas? The oh kid gosh, that- the W. Is it Whittington, or is that a different position? No. Somebody t- somebody say it in the chat. Why can't I think of his name? Yeah. Someone tell he's, me in the chat. The, the guy is Texas. He's a freaking stud. Uh, he's, a, he's a bad dude. Uh, and that is what I think. Yeah. Uh, Jatavian Sanders. Thank you. Sanders. Um, that's what it was. Matthew Fedorke. Thank you. That's right. Um, that is what I see the upside 
of Jamarion Witten being. And, and that's something where a year ago when Ohio State offered him, I wasn't really sure how he fits in, but then you can see it really um, come to fruition over the next, uh, you know, I think that, I think he can be that type of guy. Now he may not get to be that like physical and that big, but he's got that sort of athleticism. Um, so offensive line, uh, I, I'm going to give it a B minus. And I, I know that that may sound contrary to me saying, I really love the class, but I think they needed more than four, but I really like the four they got. And I think that Gabe Van Sickle is a steal this late in the process when Ohio State flips him from Northwestern. And I think you do have, maybe not next year, but I think you have two elite potential tackles in Deontay Armstrong and Ian Moore. And I really like Devontae Armstrong, his his growth in the last year as well. Both, both the Armstrong twins are awesome leaders, like they're kids that I, I've seen them compared to the Pouncey twins at Florida. Um, uh, is that sort of like personality where they, they sort of loquacious and bring people in around them? Um, hopefully they bring in better people around them than the Pouncey twins did at Florida, but I think they will because that's an Ohio State thing. But um, I, I, I know people wanted that big time tackle, that Jordan Seaton, that Brandon Baker. Um, that's just a really hard thing to do. And it, and, and you look at the Jordan Seaton thing, and the kid made that decision to commit to Colorado eight days ago, and now he's getting crystal balled to Maryland, and is likely going to end up signing with the Terps. So if Ohio State would have been the team to get him. Six days ago, eight days ago, would it have mattered? Probably not. And that's, you know, everyone said it at the time. Like, whoever he picks on this first day it may not even be the team he signs with. So um, I, I think it's a really good group. I, I compare it a lot to last year's group um, with Austin Saravel and Luke Montgomery and Josh Padilla um, and Miles Walker. Those are guys that maybe aren't going to, like, really move the dial as far as their like NFL upside, but they're four really solid college level players. And, and Ohio State loves Padilla, Saraveld, Montgomery. Miles Walker is still developing and, and still figuring out how to be an, an offensive tackle. But I think Ian Moore and Deontay Armstrong are way ahead of where Miles Walker was at this point a year ago. So I think it's actually a pretty good class. Yeah, I was hovering right around C plus, B minus there. Again, missing out on the big fish at tackle. Hopefully that changes someday. But um, I think Van Sickle is a definite upgrade over Mark Knave, and Ian Moore might be the best guy in the class that we don't talk about that much, if that sounds Because yeah, like he was the first sense. commitment, and no one ever talks about the guy that committed that early. And yeah, you know, when, exactly. Ian Moore, when, when Ian Moore committed, he was the number one ranked tackle in the country, according to Rivals.com. He dipped a little bit as other guys of, you know, grew into the, into the position, probably because of the competition in Indiana compared to what Brandon Baker plays in California or Jordan Seaton played at IMG. But like, that six foot six, three hundred and twenty pound frame is real. We, Bill Landis and I both watched him multiple times at Ohio State over the summer, and you come away very impressed by Ian Moore. And the good news for Ohio State is that even if they don't bring in a, a transfer portal offensive tackle, which I think they're going to try, like they did with Josh Simmons a year ago, you should have an improved Josh Fryer and an improved Josh Simmons. And, and they Simmons was pretty good in my estimation this season for Ohio State, and Fryer ended up being second team All Big Ten despite the fact that I think he struggled at times. Like you, you don't need these young tackles to play next year, so they do have some time to develop. So I, I like that. I like that. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. I'm trying to see if there's any comments that are worth uh, diving into here before we go to the defensive side of the ball because I don't want to talk about the defensive line recruiting. I'm with you. Um, it's a, it's, I'm going to give it a C- for the defensive line with Edric Houston. 
and Eric Mensa, and it is heavily weighted towards Edric Houston signing today. And I could be persuaded that it's a D plus because again, not necessarily that Ohio State is going to be stuck next year in the depth department because if JT Tumala returns, if Jack Sawyer returns, if Tyreek Williams returns, if Kenyatta Jackson doesn't transfer, and I know people are worried about that, but I don't think they have any reason to be. Like you could you're gonna get through next year okay. Um but the fact is after missing on true edge talents a year ago, uh to not really make that pop this year, I think is inexcusable. Um, and, and I know there's still com- the conversation about Dominic's, Dominic Kirk's, um, some, some rumors that Ohio State offered him today. I have not confirmed that because I've been chasing the Jeremiah Smith thing all day and figured it wasn't worth bothering about the, the Dominic Kirk's yet because Ohio State did not send him a um, letter of intent, so he couldn't sign today one way or the other. Um, it, it's going to be a, uh, a, a situation where you need more bodies. And so whether that's the transfer portal whether it's finding a guy like Dominic Kirks, you just have to do more in that spot. And there's just really no excuse to only sign two defensive linemen, even if one of them is a five-star. Yep. I'm with you. It's a D plus for me. I mean, uh, Edric Houston is that that was today's news of keeping him was just a massive deal, but the depth, the depth is going to be a problem here. 2025 and beyond, unless they seriously stock up in the next class or add some transfer portal guys or that kind of thing. Um, the the Justin Scott flip and missing on Marquise Lightfoot, Dylan Stewart, those those I mean that hurt. There's no other way to put it. That hurt. That hurt. Yeah. And Ryan Day talked about it a little bit on Wednesday. Basically, when Bill Bill was asking him about if they're doing enough numbers wise on the defensive recruiting, defensive line recruiting, and if they're being aggressive enough, casting a wide enough net. And and Ryan Day's point was in this new world. Again, the new era of college football recruiting, you're basically building a roster year to year. Um, and so maybe you can, can patch these holes faster than, than you would have been able to otherwise. But it, it, it just feels incredibly risky to keep doing this every single year. And it's not like they're doing it on purpose, but they, you just have to be willing to pivot to your backup plans faster. And Larry Johnson has just refused to do that. Um, and this year was a prime example of that they knew in. August that Dylan Stewart was out, that Marquise Lightfoot was out. And so where were the other offers to defensive ends? Like we talked about it on this show multiple times. Like where are those guys? And I think in some ways they may get very lucky because JT Tumaloa and Jack Sawyer and those guys may return for next year that you do mitigate that um, deficiency a little bit. But man, that, that's going to catch up to you eventually. And especially in the Big Ten because the Big Ten is different than like the SEC where the SEC is year to year scholarships. You don't have a four year, four year window where you're locked in. So like if you're in the Big Ten and you sign a defensive lineman, like you're pretty good for a while. Like you, you should be able to develop that guy even in this new era, but it's just a, it's just not good enough. Period. Not good enough. Anyway, linebacker, two guys. Peyton Pierce, Garrett Stover, really like them both. Um, I'm not sure that anyone's going to look at that and, and feel like the dial has been completely like moved all the way to 10. Um, 
So I'm going to give them like a B minus, a B, maybe a solid B. They're really good players. Those are two kids that are going to play for a long time at Ohio State and, and be contributors. Um, but I, I do wonder if you're missing sort of that real twitched up linebacker that you need as the depth issues at that position will also continue to be a problem. You head into next year, you've got Cody Simon, you've got CJ Hicks. Um, maybe you move Arvell Reese back there. Maybe you move Sonny Styles down, but like you shouldn't have to be filling holes on the roster with the roster. You know, that's what recruiting is for. And I, I don't, I just don't know that they did enough there. Obviously they wanted Kingston Viamuasa very badly. He called Ohio state on Tuesday night and said, you know, I really appreciate everything. And I, 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 Love you guys very much, but I'm going to sign with Notre Dame. And um, the Buckeyes kept swinging there, but just wasn't enough. And, you know, there is talk about Tech at Curtis and, um, you know, uh, Caleb Elam's or the linebacker from Cal who visited last weekend. He committed to TCU today. I just don't think that was a personality fit for Ohio State. You already have a Cody Simon type who's a very quiet, reserved guy. Like, I think the Buckeyes need somebody that's a little bit more of a, of a wild card. To potentially add into that mix, Tackett Curtis would fit that mix, but he's extremely raw, and I don't know that he's a plug-and-play guy for Ohio State more than, you know, you put him on the field and let him try to knock someone's head off. But how many times can you get called for targeting before your season's pointless? You know, right? Yeah, I agree. Solid B was my grade. Um, a couple things I'll add is I would really like it if Ohio State had a coach that's able to go out on the road and recruit linebackers. I feel like that would help out immensely recruiting that position. Not that they've failed or anything at the position, but that would help a lot, especially with a guy like Kingston Viamuasa, although his mom, I think, was a big factor in his decision as well. And I hope they go after I hope they go after Tackett Curtis. Like I don't care that he didn't look amazing as a true freshman playing in Alex Grinch's defense. I I, I hope they go after that. That was one that Jim Knowles genuinely seemed close to landing and there's a solid relationship there. So I hope that they do that especially with the with the one dude going to tcu so yeah. i mean jim Knowles had a sandwich named after him in manny louisiana like that, there wasn't many places he was eating that many sandwiches so um i think that it's important that the buckeyes find someone they obviously want one in the transfer portal that's why they hosted elims or last weekend um but they need a guy that's going to come in and be able to contribute because outside of Cody Simon, who's going to enter 2024 as an established player. Everyone else is pretty raw, uh, even the super talented guys like CJ Hicks. You just don't really know what you've got, and he's heading into his third year without really any experience under his belt. And that makes it feel like you might need a, a backup plan, just in case. Um, let's see. We're moving on. Peyton Pierce, I, I love. I mean, I think he's yeah. a player that doesn't get talked about enough, similar to like Ian Moore. There's just some guys that just don't get discussed quite enough. Um, at corner, you got three pretty good ones in Aaron uh, Scott, Bryce West, and Miles Lockhart. I'm going to give it a B plus, and that's just because I am like a corner snob, and I want all three of my corners to look like Aaron Scott, like the length that he has at that 6'1", 185 pound, almost 6'2", long arm type. And the other two with with Miles and Bryce, I think, are more slot guys, which is fine because you just lost Jair Brown and Ryan Turner. So, like, you're replacing like for like. Um, and, and, you know, you have Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson-Hunt and Davis Nygmanosin on the outside. But I, I think that it'd be, it would have been good to have another outside guy in this class. But uh, I think like 
the the grade of a B plus is not really against any of the players. That's just my own personal preference. Yeah, I was going to go a solid A on that one. I it helps that you got two local guys that are complete studs. Um, Miles Lockhart, props to him for having the quietest recruitment in the history of recruiting. I think um, I think he's going to be a hell of a player in the slot or nickel or whatever. Um, I too like those longer corners. Um, it's, I think Ohio state's in a good spot to add one here in the next couple of weeks for the 2025 class. Uh, and Tim Walton is a hell of a recruiter. Yeah. He's done a great job. And like, he's a, a coach that took a lot of heat from people a year ago. And, uh, I think it's a good reminder for people that when you take over a job, you are taking over what was left there for you. And it may take a minute to get things where they need to be. And, you know, there's a reason that Denzel Burke is considering coming back to Ohio state for another year. And it's not because he doesn't think he can get drafted in the first or second round. It's because he wants to keep learning from Tim Walton. And that, that says a lot about Tim Walton. Um, let's see safety. Um, it's gotta be like a C plus just because you get two. it's only two and you definitely needed three in this class for the second straight year. Um, we'll see if they supplement that with somebody from the portal. And these are incomplete grades, obviously, because we're, we're not going to give a full, you know, roster makeover grade until February. But I love Leroy Roker's upside, but I, you can't ignore the fact that only Iowa and Old Dominion had offered him when Ohio State did. Um, he's obviously a diamond in the rough type of player. Buckeyes compare him favorably to like Malik Hooker. Uh, that's pretty good from his athletic side, but like that's, that's a, that's a pretty tall order. And then uh, Jalen McLean in New Jersey, who I think can be a really good player. But again, you're going to be looking two years down the road, at least until he's ready. Yep. I was going to go see on that. Um, I too like McLean a lot. Roker, uh, good, you know, good highlight tape and that kind of thing, but seems kind of raw, not a huge offer sheet. You're just really missing that Von Bell, KJ Bolden type of guy. And they're going to have to really out. Yeah, you're in, and you're in and you're out. I mean, maybe they can get a guy like who's the Maryland kid for 2025, Delane. Is that what it was? Fahim Delane. Delane. Yeah, yeah, the 2025 class will be interesting. I mean, the Buckeyes are in a, you know, they're in good position for those guys, but it's a year from now and you've got, you're going to need to sign probably maybe four safeties in that class, the way things are shaken out. So um, if you want to be a safety driven defense, you have to have elite safeties and they haven't brought them in. Um, that are ready to go. I mean, Sonny Styles is a, an aberration and, and he's a unicorn, but even that, like he's probably too big to play there. So I think you almost need to move him down. Um, now you may get Lathan Rans- Ransom back for uh, another season, which would be a, a huge bonus. Um, but you need more guys there, especially because you lose, you know, Kai Stokes, you lose Cam Martinez in the portal. So depth is now an issue. You have Jihad Carter still, but I don't think anyone saw enough out of him this year to feel confident that he's able to, step into that role full time. Um, so you, you need Jaden Bonsu and Malik Hartford to take a big step if you're Ohio state. And again, we're talking about recruiting. Like you, you should be filling these spots from, from the uh, recruiting. So. Yeah. I, I love Perry Eliano. I think the, the jury is very much still out on him as a recruiter and the 2025 class is going to be very, very important for him. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Buckeyes brought in Kamari Ramsey, the UCLA transfer to, um, have an official visit over the weekend. I, I've been told it's pretty likely he's going to end up at USC. So that one is, is pretty much out of the picture. And they'll keep looking in the portal to see if someone else pops up. You got to remember a year ago, you know, Davis and Igbenosin didn't get in the portal till January. Uh, there, there's uh, there, this is not 
by any means like a done a done process, but it is frustrating because you don't want to have to like keep going later and later and later, you know. Right. Yeah, 2025, you've got Trey McNutt, you've got Dorian Brew, you've got um, Fahim Delane, you've got a really good group. Um, there's the Galveston, Texas, Jonah Williams. Like, if, if Devin Sanchez picks Ohio State on January 6th and he's, you know, 40 minutes north of Jonah Williams and 30 minutes south of, of Dorian Brew, like, you, you may have that little I 45 or whatever it is uh, corridor sealed off by Ohio state next year, which would be pretty impressive considering a and M and Texas are doing pretty darn good. So um, that's the class uh, in a nutshell. I said, I was going to tell you guys who the early enrollees are, but we didn't. So let's go do that. Now, Aaron Nolan is enrolling early. James peoples is enrolling early. Sam Williams Dixon is enrolling early. Jeremiah Smith is enrolling early. Uh, Mylon Graham is not enrolling early. Demarion Witten is not enrolling early. Max LeBlanc is not enrolling early. Uh, the offensive linemen, Deontay and Devontae Armstrong are. Ian Moore is enrolling early. Gabe Van Sickle is not. On the defensive line, both Edric Houston and Eric Mensa are enrolling early. Both linebackers, Garrett Stover and Peyton Pierce, are enrolling early. All three cornerbacks, Aaron Scott, Bryce West, and Miles Lockhart, are enrolling early. And Jalen McLean is enrolling early. Leroy Roker is not. So uh, it is, I think, 16 players coming in early for Ohio State. Wow. Uh, in the, So uh, 15 when you uh, were moving uh, Jeremiah McClellan, who was going to. Um, that is a – the roster is going to look a whole lot different at Ohio State in January, and we will certainly be um, staying on top of that as things move along because it's going to continue to change. So um, – I'm trying to read something. Court Williams. How's Court Williams coming along? Uh, Manny Feze. Like, he's going to play linebacker for Ohio State. You hope he can maybe have like a Justin Hilliard type of resurgence where a guy that everyone loves and everyone thinks is, is a, you know, a team leader just has been bit by the injury bug over and over. So, um, he's going to play linebacker and, and I think he can play there. So, um, Parker. Seymour wants to know about Maro Evans, the long snapper. He's a preferred walk-on. He's not under scholarship, so I don't know if he signed anything yet today or because I haven't seen it. But he's also not on scholarship. So let's see. Let's see. Uh, Coy Parrish, obviously the Minnesota safety that um, Ohio State was recruiting. He opted to stay with the Gophers. I said it on Sunday. Like there was a number of opportunities that he had to to walk away from the Minnesota class that would have been cut and dried and understandable when they, they lost their defensive coordinator. They lost like two of their best defensive players and to, to USC and Michigan state. And I, I just think a kid from Esco, Minnesota was like, I don't want to go to Columbus, Ohio. And, and it, I think it was just too big for him. And he can, he can go to Minnesota and be an absolute star. He reminds me a lot of Hunter Wohler at Wisconsin, who Ohio state really liked in the class of 2020. Hunter ended up signing with Wisconsin and is now going to the NFL early. So, I mean, you know, that's, he's that type of athlete. So, um, that is where we are. Uh, there is still no update. I'm reading text messages. Nothing has gone on, uh, yet when it comes to the Jeremiah Smith letter of intent. But again, Ohio State has not been worried and has not viewed this as a, a Miami issue. But you just don't know what happens. The longer it goes, obviously, the more um, maybe 
boisterous and, and uh, confident Miami gets to try to make some grand final overture. Um, Dominic Kirks, we talked about a little bit. Uh, I think Ohio State may have offered today. I don't know. They did not send him a letter of intent, so he couldn't sign to with the Buckeyes today, even if he wanted to. Um, he visited in October. There has been margin, you know, minimal conversation with him since. Um, if they decide that they need another defensive lineman, maybe he's the guy that they do it. But I, I think that the Buckeyes would much prefer he wait to sign until February. Let them watch him play basketball, see what he can do athletically, um, because uh, his football tape, because of injury, because of um, moving schools and stuff like that, has been a little shoddy, a little hit and miss. So, uh, Doug Otto, do I like the old style or new style of recruiting? Um, I hate this current world of recruiting, but uh, I think it's really bad for the game of football, and I love the game of college football, and I think this is bad for it. So, um, I think there's, I think that's great that people, that players are able to make money and get paid. Like that's obvious, but there has to be, there has to be rules, man. There has to be rules. Um, Rathlez says any targets in the February signing period. I'm sure there will be, but you know, we're going to get through this week and figure that out. Ohio state does not generally start to look at backup plans until they need to. And now they're going to know, they don't know what they can go get because they're sort of in roster purgatory because there are so many guys that haven't made their NFL decisions yet. So once they get that figured out, then they'll know more what they need for February. So here's what it is, folks. I apologize that there's no resolution on Jeremiah Smith yet, but again, I think that things will work out. Just stay optimistic and don't freak out. Don't go, don't go make a big deal on social media. Like it's all coming. Okay. All coming. Um, Do I think Ohio State can flip Jordan Seaton? No, I don't think so. Uh, Blake Truman, Carter Lowe, that's a class of 2025 offensive tackle from Toledo. I still think the Buckeyes are in a good spot there, um, but you know they, they'd like him to get in the class and, and help building with Tavian St. Clair. Um, Dominic McKinley, the Texas A&M commit, Dylan G. asking, that one's actually kind of interesting because he's going to wait to sign until February, and if Ohio State is, is serious about getting more aggressive on the NAL front, which it appears they are based on how things went in the Jeremiah Smith and Edric Houston, um, battles in the last 24 hours uh maybe they maybe they can convince him that going away from home isn't a bad idea but we'll see um da, 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 da. josh cassinger why hasn't the spread changed for the cotton bowl why are the buckeyes still an underdog um i think because no one knows what their offense is going to be um really I, even if you go ahead i was going to say i had that same question when they had some of the you know, guys announced the other day that or other week that they were going to play. I thought that line was going to move. And from what I saw, it hasn't. Yeah. I mean, I think you look at it and like you, you're still going into the game with the first time quarterback. Um, you're still almost certainly going to be without Marvin Harrison. You're going to be almost certainly without Cade Stover. Um, you, you still are going to be without Chip Trainum and Julian Fleming. There's a lot of pieces that are not going to be there that even if you get a lot of the defensive players back, like the offense is what's going to move the needle. And I don't think that people will uh, be expecting the Buckeyes to look quite as efficient offensively. So, uh, look, that is going to where we're going to wrap this up. I appreciate everybody watching. It's been it's uh, amazing over over eleven hundred people in here, which is awesome. Uh, I don't generally beg for things like likes or subscriptions, but if you're in here, like the show. Uh, it goes a long way towards YouTube's algorithm and gets us in more people's feeds. So. 
Um, I noticed that no one has done that yet, so that sort of hurts. It's fine. I'm not going to cry about it. So please, like the show, um, subscribe to the podcast channel if you're not already, um, and uh, we appreciate you spending your Wednesday night with us. If something happens on the Jeremiah Smith front that is unexpected, we will reconvene and discuss it, but I think right now it's just a matter of time uh, for the Buckeyes. So I heard at 5 o'clock, just a matter of time. I heard at 7 o'clock, just a matter of time. I heard at 7.50, should be any minute. So things are just trying to get done. Um, that's it. So again, thank you very much for watching. Thank you for listening. If you're hearing us on your uh, Apple podcast or Spotify or whatever you get your podcast, it means a lot to us. If we don't talk to you before, then please have a great Christmas for Andrew Ellis. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been talking stuff. We'll see you next time.